Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye Jr. My first guest is Seattle Pork Commissioner Hamdi Mohammed. And in just reading up about her, she's the only Pork Commissioner that lives in South Kane County, and she represents the neighborhoods that are around the airport. So she probably has more challenges than anybody else, I would say, on the commission. In addition to that, I did see her on TV uh, earlier this week or last week, uh, negotiating uh, with uh, some issues with the drivers at the airport. So, Hamdi, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. Commissioner, we appreciate you taking the time out today. I want to say uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and your family uh, before we get started. So uh, go right ahead and tell us what your priorities are and uh, the complexities of representing all those neighborhoods around the airport. That's right. Well, first of all, Mr. Rye, thank you so much for having me on this radio show. It's an honor to uh, be invited back uh, and to be here with you. I was on the show in the beginning of the year, and so uh, it's a full circle to be back at the end of the year. And happy holidays to all of the, the listeners. Um, to, to your question and uh, the points that you've made, uh, it is true, I am the only port commissioner who uh, lives in South King County. Um, when I was elected, I became the first ever Black immigrant woman to be on the port, port commission. And um, all of those, those first, the only, those things come with huge responsibilities, as you can imagine. I feel a huge weight on my shoulders always uh, to deliver on the needs of the people. Um, you know, I bring a lot of professional experience to the Port Commission, but I also bring a lot of lived experience. And so um, you you mentioned I um, was on the, on, the, on the TV just recently talking about issues that uh, the taxi driver communities are facing. A lot of them are black immigrants. A lot of them, you know, um, come from low-income families. And so the, the issues that they, um, they share with the commissioners often are issues that I've, I've worked on professionally and issues that I can relate to from a personal standpoint. And so um, I, I take this work very seriously and um, have been, um, it's been an honor to be on the commission. And uh, we talked a lot about my priorities in the beginning of the year. And so I can I can just say that um, there's a lot that we have accomplished this year for me was really about planting the seeds and laying the foundation for the next uh, few years, right? Uh, to deliver on, economic issues, environmental issues, and to deliver on our community needs, uh, the needs that I've heard during the campaign trail, uh, needs that I hear, you know, as a, a port commissioner. Um, and uh, I'm excited to, to share that some of the priorities that I talked to you all about in the beginning of the year um, have become a reality. And uh, I talked about uh, the need for a international public market for South King County, something that looks like Pike Place Market, that we need more opportunities for our small businesses. And um, during this last budget, I secured funding for a study in partnership with King County government to see what it would take to build uh, something like a Pike Place Market in South King County. This would be good for tourism. This would be good for our economy. It would be good for our local businesses. And so we are taking uh, the appropriate steps to look at, into that public market, um, what it would take to build a hub for uh, small minority uh, businesses and to make it a destination, a destination market for tourism. Um, 
Another really big uh, issue that I have been taking on is uh, North Sea Tech Park. Environmental issues have been uh, a, a priority of mine as um, a South King County commissioner, as well as our national parks is a treasure for our whole region. And so um, we are also doing an ecology uh, inventory study of North Sea Tech Park and making sure that that park is protected and is healthy for the communities near the airport, um, that park uh, the trees in that in that park protect us from uh, pollution, and we know a lot of the communities that live near our our airports are communities heavily impacted by traffic. You know the the pollution that comes from traffic, as well as you know planes and uh, and a whole and a whole host host of things. Um, the other thing that I talked about on the show was supporting small businesses, and I'm excited to share that the port has put in place a community business connector program in partnership with the county and uh, the Seattle Chamber um, to give access uh, to capital technology, marketing and um, permitting assistance to small and minority owned businesses. Um, this is a need that we've heard for, from uh, small business owners and those who support uh, minority owned businesses that we need uh, liaisons and connectors to make sure that when big grants are out there, uh, that these businesses um, are able to apply for them and have the tools that they need. And so I'm excited to share that the Port of Seattle invested $650,000 in um, a community based partnership to open more doors for our ethnic uh, businesses. And so um, you know, there's there's a, a long list of items that I uh, um, that are part of the port's budget this year that um, that included a lot of what I've I've heard. The other thing, workforce development continues to be a top priority of mine as a commissioner, and it's it's a top priority for for the port. Um, as I I shared with you, uh, making sure that we have career opportunities for our young people to make sure that they launch into uh, maritime industries and aviation industries um, was a priority that I shared in the beginning of the year. And um, I'm proud to share that we've invested $4.4 million in a youth career launch uh, program that uh, helps uh, young people uh, find pathways to permanent jobs in the maritime industry. And so we're we're working on that. And, you know, the, the other thing that I, I will say is that uh, just this year, we've made major progress on uh, critical infrastructure and the port's construction uh, uh, programs support, support about 1,300 full and part-time construction jobs per month. And um, you'll you'll like you'll you'll be glad to hear this, Mr. Rye, that we are outperforming our goals with apprenticeships and uh, job opportunities for women and people of color um, on those on those projects. That said, there is a lot more work for us to do. Um, this was my first year. Uh, we are also working on a, a policy equity uh, directive right now that will help ensure that we are, you know, not only doing these one-off sort of projects or we have one-off projects, but that really we are uh, putting in place policies that will outlive us to make sure that um, communities who are furthest from opportunity are able to have the support that they need always at the Port of Seattle, whether there is a, you know, minority majority commission or not, or there's a Hamdi Mohammed or somebody else, but really that we, we look at upstream investments, that we look at our policies, we look at you know where are the, where's the dollars being invested, um, and that we're putting our our um, our mouth 
our money where our mouth is, right? That our words are turning into action. And that is always a, a priority of mine. And so um, I feel like, you know, I have a four-year term, one year's done. Uh, this year has been great. And I'm looking forward to the next three years to be able to serve uh, the residents of King County. I just want to say, Commissioner Hamdi Muhammad, you have been busy. But I do want to also say that you mentioned workforce development and the Port of Seattle's Director of Workforce Development, Luis Navarro, will be a guest on the program at 2.40 this afternoon. And about five years ago, Luis Navarro was a recipient of the Public Service Award from the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee. He does an outstanding job in the community, and I'm glad that he's in that position right now. Now, uh, you, you also mentioned uh, uh, the, the uh, pollution and stuff like that around uh, uh, around the airport, uh, is there is the like does EPA? What federal agency do you coordinate with to deal with that issue? Yeah, the, the it's the FAA that we coordinate with, and that's I'm I'm glad that you you bring that up. The the one of the biggest challenges for this the Port of Seattle is we are a special purpose government, and so there are a number of jurisdictions that uh, define how we operate, and the federal government plays a big role in that. Um, and, you know, the, the Federal Aviation Administration in particular decides, you know, how our air is being used. And so um, that is an agency that we work with. But that said, you know, we have a lot of tools in our own toolbox and a responsibility to make sure that we are doing everything we can to uh, ensure that communities who have been impacted the most by environmental uh, environmental issues are uh, are protected and that we're making investments um, there. And uh, I recently, um, in the budget, you'll see there's a preconditioned air upgrade. So every aircraft that loads and unloads at, at, our, at our airport at SEA needs to keep their um, air, their heat on in the winter. And they have uh, these cool air flowing uh, in the in the summer, and so the pre-conditioned air allows that to happen, so that the they can turn off their engines and that they can plug into these pre-conditioned air uh, instead of running that engine and putting out more emissions. And so that is uh, something that we have made investments in as part of as part of this uh, new budget. Now, this uh, group of young port commissioners, uh, Toshiko Hasegawa, Hamdi Mohammed, and Sam Cho, and I assumed all you guys like in your thirties, right? Although you like, you could be 24. I know. <laughs> I appreciate that. I am. I'm 32, to be exact. Okay. And I I think Sam is about 33. And I think Toshiko just had a birthday. So i tell you one thing. It's really a refreshing sight to see how busy you've been and the problems that you're dealing with and the collaborative approach you use by going out and uh, interfacing with other governmental entities to solve issues for the public. And we need a lot more of that. We don't need anybody emulating what happened in Washington, D.C. the past two years. But it's, it's just a pleasure to see that uh, you work so well. And uh, I have to give your staff a lot of credit, too. They're on their job. Uh, I want to let everybody know the people on, the, on that staff, uh, they, they're pretty. I think uh, Aaron Pritchett worked, uh, we and Angela, my daughter Angela, worked somewhere in D.C. together. Maybe with Homeland right. Security. Yeah, I think it was Homeland <laughs> Security. So, uh but uh, like this is uh, this uh, program is uh, for you anytime that, you know, you want to get on. I have, you know, as a matter of fact, the port is one of the sponsors of the program. And okay. we appreciate that. But anytime that you or any of the port commissioners or their staff 
uh, like a uh, matter of fact, it's time for Lance Little and and uh, uh, Don Hunter to come back on uh, to mm -hmm. talk about the airport because I think they're doing a fantastic job out at SeaTac. Uh, it's one of the busiest airports in the country, if not the world, and they seem to have their hands on everything. Things move smoothly. Just don't forget your TSA pre-check, and you won't have a problem. <laughs> I did. I did that one time. It was my fault. We got to put the TSA pre-check. But fortunately, the plane I missed, there was another one leaving an hour later. So I, I was happy to have that happen. So okay. now I just want to have to ask you, as great as you're doing on the Port Commission, it's only been one year. Have you thought about uh, Congresswoman Hamdi Mohammed? <laughs> uh, <or have> you... <laughs> oh, you're so, you're so kind, Mr. Wright. Um, first of all, I, I totally agree with you. Um, there are incredible, talented uh, staff at, at at the port, Luis Navarro, uh, his director, Book de Gazar. Um, you've mentioned Aaron, who's our chief of staff. Um, I have a staff person too, Pete Mills, who also does does great work for us. Um, I have participated. So we've had eighteen port public commission meetings and two special meetings, and that has been just that alone has been one hundred and fifteen hours. Uh, of of just meetings that we've had publicly and and um and there's 18 other meetings that were scheduled on the Northwest Seaport Alliance that I've participated in that and I will say I'll brag a little bit my attendance has been 100 percent and so we're we're juggling a lot and we, we wouldn't be able to do the important work that we do without um our staff supporting us and making sure that we have everything we need to be able to to do that work and then also community this work can't be done with community um, we have to be in line with the needs of our community. We are a, a public, uh, a government agency, and we're port commissioners elected by the people. And so the needs of the people always have to be front and center for us. And so that's, I look to you and others as advisors, and this work can't happen without you all. As far as my po political ambitions, I am working a full-time job, and it's also a director at, um, a department director for the city of Seattle and as a port commissioner. So right now I am just focused on delivering and really doing uh, good work. And so I, I appreciate you thinking so highly of me though, Mr. Rye. That means a lot coming from you. Okay, Ms. Hamdi Muhammad, Larry, uh, former King County Council member Larry Gossett is on the phone. Uh, we're gonna go to him now. Larry Gossett. Hello, uh, Eddie. Uh, I want you to say hello to uh, Seattle Port Commissioner Hamdi Muhammad. She's on right now. Oh yes, I'm always willing to say hello to Hamdi. How you okay. doing Hamdi? Hi. Doing well, Mr. Gossett. You know, Mr. Gossett yeah. is one of my mentors and someone who, the both of you, I'm I'm on this line with two legends, living legends. And so um, happy holidays, Mr. Gossett. Thank you. Thank you. And you and I will talk more later. That's right. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. And uh, happy holiday to you and your family, Hamdi. Appreciate your time today and appreciate the work you're doing for the challenges you have out there surrounding the airport. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Too. Okay. Larry Gossett, this is uh, on January 16th is uh, the 40th anniversary of the very first Seattle Martin Luther King March uh, that occurred on Saturday, January 15th, 1983. And for about 25 years, you were chair of the Seattle King County Martin Luther King Jr. Celebration Committee. And as you know, certain things happen and uh, like on the poster, they have uh, Seattle uh, MLK Organizing Coalition 2018. And that, that's because the name was changed, but the mission's been the same. 
so this will be the 40th anniversary of uh, of that march. And for the bulk of those years, you were the chair from the time you were director of camp to the time you were occupying the county council office. So just wanted you just to give some reflections on where we are now and what needs to happen and share a little bit of your history about your civil rights involvement. Uh, yes, but uh, first thing I'd like to say that I'm very pleased that it was you, Eddie Rye uh, Jr., at the 1999 celebration of the Dr. King legacy that 3,000 people had gathered in Garfield's gym. And he's indicated to Councilmember Gossett that since 1986, the council had been talking about renaming his county in honor of Dr. King. They had done it symbolically, but not legally. And you said it's about time that we do it legally. And you got a thunderous applause from the 3,000 people gathered in Garfield's jail. And me being a dutiful politician, I took the challenge and said, I will start writing the legislation tomorrow when I get back to work. So we started on the third Tuesday in January of 99, and it took us until April of 2005 to get it done, but we got it done. And now uh, most people that are aware of it are very honored that they have Martin Luther King Jr. County. And, and, you know, we have to also give uh, Adam, State Senator Adam Clapp in the 37th District introduced legislation six times before it passed. Oh, definitely. From 99 yeah, so- to 2005, Adam put forth the legislation he kept encouraging you and I and others that it would get done. And indeed, in 2005, the Senate, where he was at, voted 47 to 0 to change the county's name from William Rufus the Van King to Martin Luther King Jr. And it was very appropriate because William Devane King had been, uh, when he died in 1853, he had 129 slaves on his Georgia or maybe with Alabama plantation. He, he's not the kind of uh, person that a Democratic-loving people of various racial groups would be pleased and honored to have a county named after them. When we changed it, Dr. King, uh, it did get tremendous support, not only from folks that resided here, but we got messages from all over the world, uh, uh, Mr. Wright. Now, you actually went down to uh, the, Dr. King's old organization, the Southern Christian Leadership Council. Uh, uh, 2007, and, a couple years. Yeah, can you share that story with our listeners? Yeah, a couple years after, uh, somehow the people in Atlanta found out about, we got a county way up there in the Pacific Northwest named and honored Dr. King. We haven't been able to do anything like that anywhere in, in Georgia or the South. And they invited me as the lead, uh, as the sponsor of the legislation to come down and, and visit and be honored by their organization. I got there, and this first time this happened, Eddie, when I walked in the door, and people realized that it was the guy from Seattle, Washington, and the county that surrounds it that was there. And I got a two-and-a-half to three-minute standing ovation before he went got inside the room very well, and that really made me feel honored and pleased for all the efforts we had made to get this done up here in the Pacific 
uh, Northwest. So it, it was very honorable. Larry, the challenges of civil rights and voting rights are a lot different now. And some people are under the impression that uh, all Dr. King did was protest. They need to study because of the fact Dr. King got the uh, Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act by demonstrating, but also by sitting down and negotiation, negotiating with his team of people that uh, included President Lyndon B. Johnson. And uh, so I think that a lot of people get it twisted when they think, oh, no, uh, Dr. King didn't deal with no. no you deal, Dr. King dealt with elected officials that changed things for everybody else. So the thing about right. it is, say, just disrespecting people, saying we're not going to meet with a certain group of people. Those are the group of people who are in in, in a position that are responsible, that can make changes, the better uh, the life for your, people in your community or people that look like you. So I think that a lot of people are in the protest mood, but don't say it's about Dr. That's not Dr. King. Okay, just so and put your own organization's name on it. The Martin Luther King holiday got to be about Dr. King, what he stood for, what his philosophy was, how he, what about his works? And his works included negotiating and getting the civil rights and voting rights for black people at that time. Because in Louisiana, anybody that wasn't black was honorary white. You rode in the front of the bus, you didn't ride in the back of the bus. So I think we need to really get that straight. And uh, I'm pleased to see that Dr. King also had a large umbrella and he was concerned with a lot of people. But we can't forget the fact that the civil rights struggle, the segregation was aimed at African descendants, United States enslaved in, the, in America and then in the United States of America. So uh, I know that some people think that's critical race theory because they don't want their kids to hear the truth about what you said about William Rufus being Devaney King or about Thomas Jefferson having 650 slaves and George yeah. Washington having the women live right under his house in Mount Vernon. Right by the, the Washington National Airport. I don't call it Reagan National, but, but you can see. Go visit and you can see it for yourself. So, Larry, between the cha challenges that we had now and then, what do you think is our biggest civil rights challenge right now? Well, our biggest civil and human rights uh, challenge right now is to do something about the vast vast inequities economically that exist between black and white Americans all over the country. But it's, this is less known, Eddie, but the inequity is greater in Seattle, Washington than it is, economically speaking now, uh, than it is in most uh, other places throughout the country. So we got uh, difficult challenges. And it does, as you said a few minutes ago, really help that every year at this time of the year, we're able to mobilize thousands of Seattle and greater Puget uh, Sound residents to come together at Garfield High School and uh, a series of workshops followed by a big rally at the gym and then a march, usually to downtown Seattle, in which thousands of Puget uh, Soundites, uh, you know, are involved in. Um, and, and we now, need volunteers, too. You're right. Go to, right. Go to, go to the uh, MLK. This year. Uh, yeah, the MLK website is right. www.seattlemlkcoalition.org. You can sign up uh, for... Uh, uh, in the various committees, and also you can also uh, sign up, sign up for volunteer. Yeah, and what I want to take a real quick minute 
the Deuteronomy Eddie. We got to take this break. Hold on one quick. We're going to come right back. We'll come back oh, right back okay. to you and Reverend Dr. J.J. Youngblood. So hold on. We're going to take a break. We'll come right back. You can finish that. Then we'll go to Reverend Youngblood and talk about this event. So Eric, okay. we're going to take this break and we'll come right back. All right. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Be sure to support the sponsors of your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Eddie Wright back in Urban Forum Northwest. And before I go to my next guest, I want to tell you that the Northwest African American Museum and the Meredith Matthews YMCA are partnering up to host Black Santa on tomorrow from 3 to 7 p.m., 12-23, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. at the YMCA on 23rd and Olive right off Madison. Lanisha, those guys are doing a great job. I want to uh, bring uh, Reverend Dr. J.J. Youngblood in, but before he gets started, I wanted Larry Gossett to finish his comment before we went to the break about comparing the civil rights struggle uh, when we came along, before civil rights, before voting rights, to what's going on right now in the priorities. So you got one minute and a half. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, Eddie had just asked me the question he told you all at the listening audience about. And I was telling him, in Seattle, Washington, although it's beautiful up here, uh, the economic disparities between white and black households is greater here than every other city in the country, save one. Uh, two years ago, the FYI guy did a couple of studies, and he found that the average uh, white family in Seattle makes greater than $115,000 a year compared to only $37,800 per uh, black household. And when we talk about wealth differential, the average white household in Seattle makes 400 and has a wealth of 
$26,000 if they had to sell all, pay all their bills and sell everything they own. They'd have $426,000 in the bank. The average white household, I mean, the average black household would only have 23000 So that's about an 18 times difference. So we got some big economic issues, Mr. Rye and Reverend Riangla, to deal with in this community. And that's what we're trying to do uh, through reparations and Martin Luther King Celebration Committee and everything. Thank you. Okay. The other thing, Larry, you got to remember is that if you look at the latest State Office of Minority Women Business Enterprise report for 2021, African-Americans did 0.18%, not even two-tenths of 1%. So that's our issue right now. And, you know, uh, we are not being included. We have people, elected officials in places. And I don't know how how two years could go by without nobody in Olympia looking to see whether or not black people were participating or not. Okay, Reverend J.J. Youngblood, uh, uh, Senior Pastor, House of Hope Fellowship. And the church is right off South Ryan by the overpass. And they have an event coming up on January 15th. But Reverend Youngblood, uh, so often, as I just mentioned with Larry Gossett, uh, uh, the fact that uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King was a pastor. Yeah. And I just hate to see the pastors and the, the clergy left out of the celebration. Uh, on the MLK Commemoration uh, Commit- Committee, we make it a point to acknowledge the fact and have integral participation by members of the clergy. And it should be the same way with anything rep- uh, representing Dr. King you cannot leave the fact out he was a religious leader and he was a pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. So go right ahead, sir. Thank you for being here, too. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Namaste, Brother Rye and Brother Gossett. Uh, again, thank you for this invitation. Uh, by far, definitely, I think uh, it is uh, a grave oversight uh, relative to not recognizing that that king was clergy. I mean, there's things that that he did, but but I think, brother Ryan, what happens is uh, one of the things we must note is that there's a difference between church and ministry. We we know how to do church. We do church on Sunday morning, but Dr. King was one that bridged that gap. Uh, I am reminded when I think of him. I'm reminded of uh, Luke chapter four, verse 18. Jesus is speaking. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, give recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty, which is freedom, them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, verse 19. Jesus is saying that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. I'm anointed, but I'm anointed to do something. And when we look at the byproducts of the text, what is laid out in the text to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to give recovering of sight to the blind. That is not just physical sight where we go up to the altar and someone prays, but there's actually, uh, you know, financial insight financial awareness of what's going on, predatory lending, all of those things where, where the Black community, can, our eyes can be open, and Jesus addresses those things. The gospel addresses those things. Thus, King is a preacher of the gospel, a preacher of, of the good news. And, and we know that there are challenges that he went through 
There are challenges that he went through uh, growing up that that qualified him to be a preacher of the gospel. Just for instance, uh, he, King, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., before he was uh, that person, he, of course, he was born Michael King. Mm -hmm. He attempted suicide twice. Once when he was six years of age, the other when he was around 12. At, at, at the age of six, he came home and he was sliding down the banister and ran into his brother, A.D., knocked him unconscious. He thought he killed him. He went up to the second story window and jumped out. The second time is when he came home and his grandmother had passed. His beloved grandmother, he did the same thing. Thus, he got the nickname Ironhead Mike because his name was still Michael King at the time. And the only thing he got was a scratch on his head from both incidents. So his nickname was Ironhead Mike. All right. But he when he went to Morehouse College at the age of 15 in 1944, his major was sociology. So not only did he have personal perseverance, but he also had his finger on the pulse of society because at 15, he's going into Morehouse and majoring in sociology. So he had a concern uh, about that. Fast forward to February 25th, 1948, he was ordained at the age of 19, he was ordained a minister. And it was then at that time, because his intent was really possibly going to grad school for law. And so he now has the sociology piece under him. Now he is dealing theologically and Daddy King is working with him as well. So he's there, and now this, our, our modern-day Moses, has now gone to a place of bridging the gap, of bringing basically the sanctuary to the streets and the streets to the sanctuary. And that is why in 1961 that there was a split of the National Baptist Convention, and the Progressive National Baptist Convention was formed because there was some tension between Dr. King and Reverend Dr. J.H. Jackson, who was the president of the National Baptist Convention. But King's mindset was, was that, listen, we preach the gospel in the sanctuary, but it is about making a difference out in the streets. And so when we look at him, depending on what perspective or whose perspective we're viewing him from, we, we, we forget one or the other. We either make him all preacher and, and less of a community leader, or we make him all community leader, and we forget that he was a preacher of the gospel, a preacher of good news. All right. So, so, so yeah. J.J. Youngblood, that, that's a, a, a good sermon. Uh, we got a couple <laughs> of minutes left, so we, gonna, we can talk again next week. But you got an event coming up on January 15th, and out of all fairness, what I'd like to do is have you come back because uh, that was time well spent. So uh, next next Thursday, or before the 15th, I want you to come back so we can talk about your event. Uh, the 15th is on is actually Dr. King's birthday. Yes. Uh, it's going to be at the House of Hope, uh, the House of Hope Fellowship, yes. which is right off of South Ryan and 51st. Yes. Uh, so what we'll do is that I really appreciate People need to hear those words. That, you, that, that sermon sermonette you just gave <laughs> on Dr. King 
but we're going to have you come back to talk about your event. But uh, the, the information you just shared with us right now is just impeccable. Uh, you know, you know the history, and that's why you Reverend Dr. J.J. Youngblood, because you shared some stuff about Dr. King that I really didn't know. But on the other hand, you know, Reverend McKinney was his classmate uh, for the freshman year, and then Reverend McKinney got drafted. Yes. So he wasn't, wouldn't graduate with uh, Martin Luther King Jr., but uh, he was responsible for bringing him to Seattle the time that he did. So uh, yeah. then I, 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 no, you, I tell you what, I'm going to uh, give you a call, give you a date uh, to come back like, uh, to see, 15th, 8th, uh, like a week before your January 15th event. I think that's going to be like uh, the 6th, let's see, 6th, 7th. Yeah, it'll be the 6th of January. I want you to come back and talk about your event, or if you want to do it uh, the, the Thursday before. But either way, uh, if you're on uh, on the 6th, a couple of hours after this program, uh, Eric has got it worked out so it goes up on Alexa and my podcast. So like at 5 o'clock this afternoon, say Alexa, play the latest edition of Urban Forum Northwest. And fast forward to Reverend Dr. J.J. Youngblood. And uh, so you'll be on, this will be on for the rest of the week. I'm going to be encouraging people to listen to it because they uh, have can get a lesson. We can't leave the uh, preacher part of Dr. King out, out. So anyway, my next guest joining, you coming back, brother. We appreciate you. We appreciate that sermonette. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, we've been knowing John Namba, my good friend, Martin Luther King, Commemoration Committee honoree, also director of the Port of Seattle's Workforce Development Program, Luis Navarro. How you doing, sir? I'm doing very good, uh, Eddie. I'm trying to get my camera. Um, oh, you're all right. I mean, uh, and, uh, the only we'll people that see us, Lewis, is this is a radio program, so you the public is not checking you out yet. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, we had CL uh, Port Commissioner Hamni Bahaman on first, and uh, she mentioned your uh, workforce development by name. So you have an advocate there. Uh, she is really impressed with uh, the intent of the program, and I'm sure with you in charge, you'll be impressed with the results of the program. So, uh, 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 J.J. Youngblood, Reverend Dr. J.J. Youngblood, this is Luis Navarro. I just want, he is a, a, a big guy at the port, so all those folks in your in your congregation looking for some training or some employment, uh, Luis Navarro is a good contact to have at the Port of Seattle. Okay, Luis, why share with us it was good. That was a nice uh, Christmas party the port had as well. So why don't you share with our listeners uh, your duties, responsibilities, and your objectives and how well you're doing it. Thank you, Eddie. As always, it is great to talk with you uh, on your show or at events. Thank you for your participation at the Port of Seattle's annual event. Uh, it was great to see so many community partners, uh, so many great leaders, uh, the community like yourself attending. It made for a very good, good event, uh, an in-person event at that. So my job, as you mentioned, is the Director of Workforce Development for the Port of Seattle. And through my <clears throat> investments that the Commission authorized, we are able to provide training to community communities of color in particular and women in what we call port sectors, aviation, maritime, construction, and also in green jobs. And we <clears throat> intentionally um, set up relationships, contractual relationships with organizations that provide training to people of color, organizations like the Urban League or ANU or other entities, South Seattle College, for instance. And we intentionally ask them to reach out 
to communities of color, to individuals that have been uh, in many ways ignored by public agencies and uh, corporations. We also uh, seek out immigrants and refugees to give them training options, training opportunities, so they can see themselves as future uh, leaders, workers in the industries that the Port of Seattle support. So for instance, we have uh, great training programs for people to become apprentices in construction. But not only do we provide the training, we also provide what we call retention and navigation. We continue to support the individuals through the first, second, third, and hopefully soon fourth year of their journey as a journey person, because we know that training is just one element. Giving them support once they get the training so they stay in the field. And also we want to learn if they are being exposed to racism or sexism. And once we know, then we can tackle those issues head on. So that is the work that I do, Eddie, with a great team that I have uh, supporting the programs. And it is always uh, uh, an opportunity to do, to do better. And we're here to promote it. And I'm certainly happy that uh, once again, the Port of Seattle Rail represented at the Seattle Martin Luther King uh, uh, Organizing Coalition's Opportunity Fair on January 16th in the morning at Garfield High School. So uh, the last time we had, a MC, uh, had the event, the port was well represented and we hope to see that again uh, on January 16th at the King holiday. Indeed. In fact, we've been working uh, internally with uh, human resources, with the police department, with my team and workforce development and others to make sure that the port is represented. You've always uh, opened the door for us to be there. We want to promote jobs at the Port of Seattle, but also jobs that are available with our tenants at the airport and also the opportunities that I talked about, about training and programs that we are supporting through workforce development. So we are coordinating with the commission office, with the HR department and others to have good representation on January 16th. And we'll be looking forward to it, Luis Navarro. So you just mentioned that. I want to give a shout out before we go to this break uh, to uh, uh, the Sound Transits. Uh, say happy birthday to John Tay, Nikki, mm -hmm. Leslie Jones, Kent Kiel, the chair of the Sound Transit Board. Uh, Brenda Nambi is down there as well. City of Seattle's uh, Purchase and Construction Services Office. Happy uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to Jesse, to Mark, uh, to Carol and uh, Carmen. And uh, the Port of Seattle, to Luis Navarro, uh, uh, folks in the Diversity Contracting Office, me and Rice, Lawrence Coleman, and Ray, jo Josie Reagan, SeaTac Bar Group, LLC. They got the Africa Lounge and Mountain Room Bar out on Concourse A. That's Rod O'Neill and uh, Jerry Whitsitt. And we're going to take a break. And uh, we got Josephine Howell coming up here. But you guys hold on for a minute. Uh, we're going to take a break and come right back. Thank you, uh, Eric. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community. And our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. 
Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash 1150KKNW. All right, Eddie Ryback. That's Charles Brown, right, Eric? That's correct. Yes, well, he's the official. That's what opens Christmas up. And the other person that's saying better than him is on the line right now. Her name is Josephine Howell. And uh, she has a holiday gig uh, this evening from 6 to 8 on uh, uh, Josephine. Give people the information. And thank you for coming on at this short notice. We appreciate you. Oh, you are so welcome. I just want to make sure you can hear me. Can you hear me? Yes, go right ahead. All right, wonderful. We are at Wanawari, right in the central area at 911 21st Avenue, Seattle, Washington, 98122. From 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., come out and get yourself some Christmas cheer. Myself and a few members of my band will be giving you our love to Christmas songs and just songs that make us warm and lovely. On the inside, we just want to leave this year feeling better than we started this year and bringing in the next year with more love, compassion, joy, peace, and most importantly, more hope. And uh, uh, what are, do you have any other uh, activities planned over the holiday season? Because I know you're in demand. <laughs> yes, a lot of private functions. I'm also going to be singing on tomorrow with some of the... Uh, old members of Total Experience, Gospel Choir, and uh, Pastor Samuel Townsend Jr. And we're going to be going over and doing something that we, um, uh, we've we done this now for the third, uh, um, no, I'm sorry, the second uh, Christmas. And then um, just spending a lot of time with friends and family. I'm actually sitting at a lot of homes uh leading up to the year. So my prayers go out to all the family members and all the loved ones and look for me and some of you because we're going to be doing some pop-ups in certain different places just to drop some joy and some peace. Even though it's cold, we're going to wrap up real well and just do some pop-ups and just sing a few songs and go to another spot and sing a few songs. Now, when is that going to start? So that starts actually next week. We're just going to pop up okay. and do songs up until the um up until uh new year's okay well let me uh, keep me apprised if you want people to know where you are i can let them know 
I sure will. I thank you so much. Thank you for always helping spread uh, all the information and keeping us on toes, Eddie. <laughs> well, uh, thank you very much for keeping that, that beautiful music coming to our ears, too. We appreciate you, too. So once again, let folks know about your event today from 6 to 8. Go right ahead, Josephine. All right. So once again, from 6 to 8 p.m. at Wanawari's at 911 21st Avenue, Seattle, Washington, 98122. Come a little bit early so you can find some place to park. It's right in the neighborhood in the 6th Central District. And I want you to have yourself a merry little Christmas. Have yourself a merry Christmas. Have yourself a merry little Christmas now. We sound good all the time, no matter what venue you're singing at. So, hey, thank you very much. And like I said, keep me posted with anything that that you have coming up. So, and we'll keep it out there. But I put both of your pictures on Facebook because I got the, le- the second one with the, you on the stage. So I put that up with your event information. Another one's on, uh, was on the Facebook page and also you on the emails that went out to everybody. So they all know. Thank you. Thank you. And okay, Joseph. <laughs> okay. Th- thank you now. We sure appreciate you. All right. No problem. Thank you. Okay. Thank you now. Bye-bye. Okay, Louis Navarro, uh, we're going to have Reverend Dr. J.J. Youngblood also comment before we go, but Louis had a point he wanted to make about uh, the training. Uh, he is uh, uh, the, develop- the uh, director of the workforce development for the Port of Seattle, in case you just heard the last part. And there was one point he wanted to make before uh, we had to go to Josephine. Go right ahead, Louis. Thank you, Eddie. Actually, the point is about <clears throat> the commission office of the Port of Seattle, Commissioner Mohammed and the Office of Equity, Diversity and Inclusion. We're working on a program for Port of Seattle employees to celebrate Martin Luther King and his work and uh, his memory in the month of January. So it is for Port of Seattle employees, but uh, we may we may ask uh, some of our community leaders maybe to join us in celebration. So we're bringing what is happening at Garfield. We're bringing it in-house as well. So the, the celebration and the uh, commemoration continues as well mm-hmm. in January. Details to be determined. Okay. And I want to ask uh, Reverend Dr. J.J. Youngblood, how do we encourage uh, folks to follow Dr. King's footsteps in terms of his philosophy and stuff? Because <clears throat> some people get caught up in wanting to do something and stuff. And like I said earlier, they forget the fact and or ignore the fact that he was a member of the clergy. So what is the best way to get these folks involved? I guess sermons like yours will certainly help. And I think by you know, having people come in and exercise their rights and stuff, but I just think the most important thing is make it about the person who the holiday is named for. And yeah. that's what I emphasize all the time. It got to be about Dr. King. That's why you can't leave the clergy out because he was a member of the clergy. Yes, yes. Definitely, definitely. Um, again, you know, I'll reiterate um, one one thing I recognize relative to ministry or, or doing anything nowadays, it has to be relevant. It has to be relevant. We must show the relevance that Dr. King, and let me just say this as a as a 54-year-old preacher, and I just made 54 on Tuesday, but uh, 
you know, King is not only a preacher, but he, he is not an old Baptist preacher, you know, because nowadays we have some young people that the mindset, oh, that was then, this is now. So we have to find a way to bridge that gap to understand that the message of King, the dream of King was not just for back then, but it is still relevant in this day and time that we live in. And we must take that and become revolutionary, restorative, and resourceful. I mean, I know that might sound like another sermon, but I, I am Black Baptist preacher like King. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's very relevant, very relevant. Yeah, it, it has to be relevant. And, and so when we, we invite young people in, you know, it's, it, we have to make that connection and not just bring bring young people in as a banner of young people, but yet we're kind of pulling the strings behind the scenes. That becomes problematic. You know, I have to give uh, uh, the leaders of the of CL Marketing Organizing Coalition, Sade, uh, more uh, uh, Bobby uh, uh, Alexander, and Katie Harrison, Gene Buskin, those folks, a lot of credit, because uh, they've made sure that there's an internship every year as a matter of fact, uh, next uh, next Thursday, I will have six of the interns on, and I like the way they're treating them because they're paying them for their time. And I think that's one thing we got to do is that it's good to have volunteers all the time. But when you have someone engaged, especially young folks, because responsibility comes with a little paycheck. And I, so I think that uh, those are the things that we can do to make sure. And I'm going to make sure, like I said, people can hear your sermon for the rest of the week on Alexa in about two hours and also be on my website for a year. But I want to thank both of you guys very much. And Reverend Youngblood, we'll have you come back to talk specifically about the event that you have coming up on January 15th. And Luis Navarro, Director Report of Seattle's Workforce Development Program, thank you and thank you for your support for the MLK Committee and making sure that the port have their departments there. So thank you guys very much. If I don't see you, Merry Christmas to you. And I will talk to you shortly after the new year, Reverend Youngblood, about your January 15th event. So sure appreciate y'all. And then I also want to say uh, Merry Christmas to uh, uh, to Eric and the folks out at 1150 MKKNW. And I can't, can't leave without saying happy birthday to my belated, uh, to a heavenly birthday to my late sister, Brenda Raya Brock, who uh, perished a couple of years ago and we could have a service because of COVID. So thank you very much. Merry Christmas, everyone. And we'll talk with you next week.